Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. A beautiful mess. This is one of my favorite statements. Because honestly, I feel like a beautiful mess encapsulates so much about life. And I mean, here's, here's the thing, right? Social, social media is like beyond being the devil. Social media, isn't it true? We, we only like most people, probably 99% of people like to post the beautiful part of, of, the beautiful part of our lives. Seriously, we post the Sports Center highlights. You know, the top 10 list, we tend to post that freely. We post beautiful pictures of our kids and, you know, beautiful pictures of them at the playground and pictures of their brothers and sisters and, you know, us doing the 330 squat or the 330 bent. That's not me, but, but some of y'all are. But it's like y'all doing decent weights and you showing it and you're posting that. And, and here's the thing. What I have learned is I've got a lot more respect for people that post their failures. I've got a lot more respect for people that don't just talk about and share their wins, but are candid and talk about their losses. So on ESPN, there, there is this one segment on NFL, count, count, on NFL Countdown called, Come On, Man. Anyone seen that? Where basically what it, what it is, you've got the people on, on there showing the goofiest plays of the NFL for that specific week. And, and honestly, I would rather almost watch that than just watching the, the top 10 sports center highlights us. Why? Because the bottom line is, come on, man, is kind of like real life. Social media, like I said, we tend to post wins, we tend to post victories, but honestly, life isn't just about wins, it's, it's about losses. It's beautiful and it's messy. A lot of life could be described as a beautiful mess. And this series though, we're going to actually take that, that paradoxical term and we're going to, to bring it and compare it to and relate it with the church. Because the church is a beautiful mess, y'all. It is a mess. Like one of the beautiful moments was the song we just sang. We're all together, we're singing, we're all t- it's, it's just a beautiful moment. But honestly, the church is full of beautifulness and full of messiness. Let me show you this, this family picture here. This is a, uh, a family picture of Kristen and I. Now, this is beautiful. My wife is beautiful, man. Like she's gorgeous. I'm, I mean, look at Jackson, like he looks like me. God help him. Thank, thank, thankfully, he speaks clearly. He speaks fluently. So that's how I'm like, hey, all three of my boys don't seem like they stutter. So I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus. Uh, Judah, you know, and I mean, look at Judah. He is, he is, he's basically Christian reincarnated. And then you got Dallas here, who's kind of like the, you know, I'm just calling him, mix between us. Like he's like a good, good mix, right? You've got this picture here, and it's a beautiful picture. And we, you know what? And this is the kind of stuff that we post on Facebook and 
But for any of you that have kids, for any of you that have kids, eight and under, you know the pain, the agony, the sheer lies you told. To be like, you better smile. We're paying $200 for this. If you don't smile, you will never taste the sweet taste of candy again. You will never see another video game. You will never play another down of flag football. You're like, I'll give you Disney World. I will give you anything. Just for the love of God, smile and look at the camera. Like you, you are, you know, and, and then it's, it's funny because you are like, you know, you're, you got, you got to schedule kids out right. You, you, you got to make sure they got naps at the right time. You got to make sure they get fed because they will find any excuse during, during this. You got to make sure you clip their nails. Like you got to make sure every excuse that they could possibly throw, throw out. Like, and then finding clothes. Like God bless my wife. We took one family picture one time. I said, babe, if we have to go through this again, I'm not taking any more family, family, family pictures. Because just the, of getting all the clothes together, I mean, you know, th this is a byproduct of a lot of mess. <laughs> and really, life is that way. One of the things that I tell couples whenever they get married is marriage can be described as a beautiful mess. It's full of beauty, and it's full of mess. But, you know, typically, we always like, how's it going? Man, it's great, brother. Love marriage. It's amazing. And that's what we, you know, tend to, that's what we tend to portray and, th and throw up. And for some of you, it is that way. And we want to say, God bless you. You're awesome. But for so many people, it's beautiful, but it's also messy. Life is a beautiful mess. Let me just kind of show you this picture here of our floor. This is a picture. I probably sh should have... Probably should have said, hey, Kristen, can I show this? So, uh, hey, babe, I'm showing this. Okay. Um, but, but it was like this, this was the floor of, this is what we sweeped up in the floor of our kitchen. Any parents ever been there? Were you trying to keep the house clean? You're trying to present a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and, and uh, when you got three boys, eight, five, and three rolling around the house and, you know, typically whenever we clean, it's like someone's coming over. <laughs> we got to sweep. But, but it's like we try to present beauty. But honestly, this is what the way life really is most of the time. Because there's a lot of mess. You know, life is a beautiful mess. But also true, you're a beautiful mess. Not just life. There are things about you that are beautiful and things that are messy. And I know in this culture where we don't like to show weakness, where, where we think weakness isn't, you know, isn't good, the truth is you can hide all you want, but everyone goes home. There are certain things about your personality that are beautiful Yet messy. See, some of you are, some of us, we'd go to your house and we'd see everything meticulously done. And it's so beautiful and things are just in their right place. 
but you, this thing that makes that beautiful also, also brings conflict between you and your spouse because every time your spouse takes something and moves it out of the way, you're coming right behind them to change it. This was my mom and my dad. My mom, she would sweep the floor like five times a day. My dad would go and do something in the kitchen. She'd come right behind him. He was like, what are you doing? So here, here's the thing. She kept the house clean, but there was conflict because of her desire to keep the house clean. So one of the things that, that made her personality beautiful also brought mess in her relationships. Some of, some of y'all like, and, and this is probably my, my wife. She loves people. She'll check on people all day. How you doing? Think, thinking about you. Praying for you. How you been? Like, she is the best friend. Like, if, even if I was not married to her, I'd want her as a friend. Because she just, she loves and cares for people so much better than I ever could. Like, she really loves people, man. She'll think and pray, and feel, I'm praying for you, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about you, you know. And, and then there'll be times that I come home and I'm like, hey, babe, what? What's going on? She said, I'm so sorry. I got sidetracked. I was talking to this person and that person. And it's, we might have a dirty house, but she loves people well. I'm not, I'm not saying all the time, but just kind of bring the, she knows the deal. She knows what I'm saying. I hope, Jesus. <laughs> it's a beautiful mess, man. I'm just trying to be candid with you. Because honestly, I even think some, sometimes pastors, you can get up here, oh, Pastor John, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Our life's a beautiful mess, man. And we could come in on Sundays, that's great, all of us, oh, yeah, just, oh, how's it going, you know? And yeah, you know what, though? And I mean, there's, there, there, there's a lot of beauty, but there's also a lot of mess. And it's true of life, and it's true of you. But also, too, Um, even the specific way that God works in people's lives is beautifully messy. Let me give you a few examples. Think about when God created man. It says he took the dirt and made man. He took a mess. Adam, that, that name means what, Adam? Dirt. It means earth. It means earth, it means dirt. It means God took something messy and created something beautiful. Just think about the way the son of God was born. You got the son of God who's gonna save the world, die on the cross, redeem humanity, born to an unwed teenager in a barn. The most beautiful person in the world born into a mess beautifully messy. Think about Jesus. One time this blind guy came to him and was like, I can't see. And you know, you've probably got people watching Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, just do the hand thing. Put your hand out, put it on him and heal his eyes. And Jesus instead <laughs> spit on the ground. Just imagine this, like, <laughs> like Jesus hawking loogies and spin them into the ground to have enough saliva to create a salve, kind of like this thick mud 
makes it, takes it, and puts it on the guy's eyes. This is a story in the Bible. Jesus creates a mess and then takes that mess and puts it on the guy's eyes and tells the guy, go and clean it off. Go and wash your eyes. He does it and he comes back and he says, I can see. Jesus takes something messy and makes it beautiful. Think about the cross of Jesus Christ. The most gory thing that, I mean, there's one thing Rome was good at, it was killing people and being creative at killing people in the most painful, sick, sadistic ways. And it says Jesus died on the cross and what was absolutely messy was beautiful for you because you didn't have to be the one paying the price for your sin. Jesus paid it. Even the cross of Jesus Christ is beautifully messy. Life is a beautiful mess. You are a beautiful mess. The way that God works is a beautiful mess. And really, here's the thing. Beautiful mess is just a paradox. God works in, in paradoxes. We always want God to be so black and white. But honestly, many times God is in the gray. God is a God of grace and truth. Meaning God isn't just all grace. Okay, whatever you want to do. There's also truth with God. God is not just all truth. Do this, do this, do, do this. There's grace and truth. It's attention. The cross shows us mercy and justice. The cross is God saying, you are not going to get what you so rightfully deserve, but, if, but there was still a payment being made because of sin. It was mercy and justice. John chapter eight, whenever Jesus encountered the sinful woman, this woman that was caught in adultery, caught in the act and brought before Jesus and said, Jesus, what do you say? He told the, the Pharisees who brought her, he said, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. And essentially saying your sin of self-righteousness is just as stinky as her sin of adultery. He extended forgiveness but then told her before he walked out, go and sin no more. There was forgiveness with the standard. There was forgiveness with the standard. Do you see this? Grace and truth, mercy and justice. Forgiveness and a standard. God is a God of paradoxes and tensions. God works in the paradox, but I don't think there's any great thing. Life is a beautiful mess. You're a beautiful mess. God works in beautiful messes. But then too, why are we surprised that the church is a beautiful mess? I mean, sometimes we can have the expectation where if you haven't been to church a whole lot, you walk in here and it's just a bunch of angels walking around. Like, yeah, like I'm, I'm gonna go to church and I'm not gonna encounter any mess. It's gonna be complete beauty. And some of, of y'all, like, the church is messy, y'all. Like, have you, do you know the history of the church throughout its, throughout its inception? Think of, think of the hypocrisy. Think of the individualism. Think of how the church has been divided on stuff that in the blight of eternity doesn't matter at all. That's why we've got denominations. Because they can't even agree what's in this book. All these notes are just upside down. Like, here we go. 
Let's do greed. Think, think about the dang greed the church has had. Think about the gossip. And I mean, you know, people, hey, do you need prayer? You ain't praying. You're trying to get info. You're trying to get info. Think, think about the church's history. Think about, think, think about the Crusades, where they said, yeah, let's go kill people in the name of Christ. What Bible were they reading? Think, think about um, the church actually did not want people to actually have the Bible. In the 1500s, William Tyndale, he, you know, in 1500s, what happened, people? The, the printing press, right? The printing press was created so now people could actually have books. And the church was actually scared of this because then they couldn't control people because they were the only ones that had Bibles. So the church actually killed Bible translators because it was gonna take away the church's corrupt power. The church, whenever the Protestant Reformation happened, the church was selling sins. I mean, that's a great fundraiser. <laughs> we got a building project going on. Anyone want to go and get drunk? $300. You know, it's, just, it's absolutely insane to think about the messiness of the church. Think about religion, just of how the church has put rules over people and wounded many. But honestly, I think, unfortunately, many people stop at just seeing the mess instead of seeing also the beauty that the church gives. People don't, here's, here's the thing, right? Whenever somebody says the church hurt me, many times it's people that, that, that hurt people. It's not the church, it was people. But honestly, one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen in church is the church's people. Some of the most beautiful people on this planet are in this church. The way that they love others, the way that they sacrifice the church's people is, is some of the most beautiful things. The church's purpose is beautiful. We are built on the concept of everyone has worth and value. When you think about what the church's mission and purpose is on this planet, it is stinking the most beautiful thing that anyone has ever thought up. I'm serious. A church that basically says everybody has value. We don't care if you're, I mean, Whatever classification you can have, it doesn't matter. You are all equal and valuable in God's sight. And because of that, we want people fed. We want people clothed. We want people educated. We want, like, we are saying, because you have value, and what you've seen throughout history is you can see the greatest movements of equal rights have come because of people inside the church that have tried to get rid of slavery that have tried to, 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 to get rid of economic disparities, that, 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 that have tried to, to educate children and give equality to women, have, have come from people inside of the church that got a burning passion and vision for what Jesus originally intended. It's a beautiful thing. But honestly, many of us only see the mess. The church is love. And I mean, think about the church is built on love. We're, on, Jesus said, love your enemies. So basically, you are to love people that don't like you. Like, that's beautiful. How much more could our world use that right, 
right now. Jesus said, you will know who the heck my followers are, not by how many scriptures they can quote, not by how much they give, not by how much they, they, they go to church. They will know that they are my followers by their love. And especially love for those who don't love them. The church's selflessness is beautiful. The most beautiful expression of church is when people see a church that is selfless. Don't be surprised though, when you see a mix of beauty and mess in the church. Like honestly, I think some people are shocked by the church's mess. But let me give you a couple reasons why we shouldn't be shocked. First off, we're all sinners. Just because we're saved doesn't mean we don't do sinful things. Welcome to Lifehouse. We're all sinners. Like we, 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 you know, I've been saved for 20 years following Jesus. I'm a pat, like we, we all sin still. Secondly, some people aren't, still aren't saved yet. Like, but at the same time, we welcome you into this church. Like we want you here. If you're just curious, checking the faith out, if you still have questions, like we want you at this church. Like we don't want you to go nowhere. Like we, we, we want you to ask questions. We, we, we want you to poke us and prod us and say, hey, can we sit down and have coffee? I'm still not, you know, it's like we welcome those of you who, who haven't said yes to following Christ yet. So you know what? Because of that, like we understand that sometimes in our church, there's gonna be some messy people, but we shouldn't be shocked. But also too, the gospel is intended to reveal messiness. Typically people come to church when they're at their lowest. Like some of y'all came here because y'all were have like, you were either about to give up on your marriage, you're about to give up on relationships, you're about to give up on your own life. And you've came here whenever you were at your worst. But also too, what, what I have seen is people will put up a front in church for years until God actually gets them to, to, to a point where they take the mask down, they take and, and they actually show you who they actually are and what they're actually struggling with. I think honestly, it sometimes takes most church people about two, two and a half years for them to actually get vulnerable. And instead of throwing up, oh, it's all good pastor. Oh, good pastor, good pastor, Every, everything's good. They actually take the wall down and they say, I've got some things in my life that are messy. Because honestly, it's easy for us to go into a church and, and, and just be like, they're going to judge me. If they saw who I really was, they would not accept me. But here's the thing. I've been in this game long enough where nothing surprises me. But the thing is, we welcome that. Like, we understand probably things that you read in this book or something that I preach or something that you sing or something you hear about in a, in a small group. It's going to un lock this place in you that you have kept, kept locked up and it's gonna reveal some of the messiness of your life. And we're cool with that. Because honestly, you can't get healed unless you actually identify and name what you're walking through. So the, the gospel reveals messiness. So we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be surprised. Also too, all of us are still in process. Like under everyone's life, there is under construction. And I say this all the time, like I'm still trying to get to the point where I've gotten better, but, but like, I, you know, I don't want to th even think about cuss words now. 
Like when I first became a Christian, man, it was, it was, it was, it was like, you know, it's like I was just whatever words came to my mind came out. And I've gotten better. I'm still in progress, though. I'm still, I'm still under construction. And all of us have things in our lives that we are all being worked on. But honestly, what you see, the further you go, honestly, what we see is sometimes change gets harder. Have you seen that? Where it's kind of, of like working out. In the first six months, you have these great gains. And then as you keep on going, you see, okay, these gains are getting slower and slower because honestly, you see how wretched your heart is. You see how messed up you really are. But, but, but also too, like the reason the church is really, really messy is because Satan is real, y'all. Satan is real. There is an enemy in our midst. And Satan hates you. And he will do whatever he's got to do. But also too, we're not, we're not unlike the first church. You know, Paul, whenever he would plant churches, he would write letters and he would address issues that people told him were going on in these churches. Here's the thing. In a few, in a few minutes, we're going to receive communion today. And you know, one of the things that Paul addressed with the church he planted, 1 Corinthians 11, 7, 17 through 19. This is a church he planted in the city of Corinth. This is what he brings up. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. So Paul is basically saying, let me beat you down a little bit. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. So he's like, at your church services, it doesn't, it's, it's not any good. He says, first I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. Hmm, I'm glad things have changed. <laughs> and to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you will have God's approval who will be recognized. Next slide. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper, communion. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Oh, wow. That actually says that there. I didn't even see that. I was like, oh, wow. Uh, but anyway, don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly cannot praise you for this. Let me tell you what Paul's saying. You got people at, during communion, getting smashed. <laughs> they were like drinking the real stuff behind the pastor's back and they're coming in sloshed. Thankfully, I, haven't had, I don't think we've had that happen here at LifeHouse. <laughs> but the thing is this here, Paul, he also dealt with stuff where there were people with sexual sins. There were people debating over spiritual gifts. There were people getting drunk during, during, during communion. There were people spreading false teachings. I mean, here's the thing, y'all. If church was really messy then, it's still gonna be messy now because people are people. People are people. It doesn't matter what time, what time period it is. Also, too, though, church is really, really messy because you and I are here. Do you know if you were the pastor of your own church, like you would probably leave your own church. <laughs> and I mean, it's, you know, you know, <laughs> but like you, you, you are at, like you are a part of it because you are beautifully messy. 
And church is really messy because you're here, because I'm here. So we, we can't be shocked. But the, but the question is, how do we handle the mess? How do we handle it? How do we handle the mess of when we see mess in church? Because honestly, some of you have been really wounded by the church. Some of you were shocked by the messiness in the church. So how do we, as people, handle, handle this? Let me share with you Proverbs 14.4. It says this here, Without oxen, a stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Some of you are like, John, how in God's holy name does this relate anything to the church being messy? Well, let me tell you what this scripture is saying. Without oxen, there's no poop. It stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Basically, what this is saying, if you want to see the harvest happen, you've got to put up with some mess. And this is true with anything in your life. If you want to see a harvest happen, you're going to have some mess. I've never seen an ox, like I've, I've never like, you know, but in, I mean, ox are big and they probably have a lot of mess. But it's saying if you want a large harvest, if, if you want to see stuff accomplished, if you want to see stuff done, you have to, under, to understand with the beauty of bringing in the harvest is going to be the messiness of dealing with the stuff. And I think some, sometimes in church, we want to see the kingdom of God advance. We want to see the beauty of the gospel realized in our city. We want to see people one to Christ. We want to see people that don't know Christ come in here and get saved. Everyone's excited about people getting saved and babies being like, you know, spiritual babies being born and the beauty that comes along with that, but no one wants to change the diapers. That is what I have learned. People like what comes with church growth and seeing stuff grow. But where there is living things, there is mess because living things mess. So we've got to know that if God is gonna call us as a church to see a harvest happen, it's gonna happen with some mess. But we've gotta interpret the mess right. And that's what quickly I want to actually help you with. We gotta interpret the mess right. First off, we've got to, to here's the thing, understand the meaning of the mess. Some of y'all missed the fact that the mess is in this church because in this church, we've got brand new babies, spiritual babies that don't know their butt from a hole in the ground. They're just brand new. And we just want them to be adults, just grow up, just know this. It's like, no, it's like, yo, we're gonna have to change some diapers, y'all. We're gonna, we're gonna have to like change some diapers. We're gonna have to like reinterpret the mess, right? Because here's the, here's the thing, right? We can... 
where there are people present, there will be messes. And especially when you bring people that don't know, I mean, you know, or they're far from God, far from church, and they come in, like, y'all, we've got to expect that and have grace for it. And instead of judging them, maybe say, I need to jump in and change some diapers. I've got to jump in because honestly, what we see, Jesus wasn't scared of messy people. He was actually, they were actually, what? Attracted to him. But here's the thing, right? Me messiness reveals itself in church a couple, a couple different ways. Re there are those that have rebellious messes and those that have religious messes. And typically rebellious messes, basically those that just go, I'm gonna go out and do whatever I wanna do. I wanna sin, I'm gonna totally disobey God, God's law. But then you have those in the church that have been in the church for years that they have a self-righteous mess. Because I can't believe the church is inviting these people in here. And, and, it's, and it's like, honestly, God sees those sins the same in the same way with the adulterous woman. He said, your sin of self-righteousness is just as bad as her sin of uh, adultery. But the thing is this, the mess can reveal itself in a couple diff, diff, different ways, but the bottom line is it's still mess. And you've got to say, what kind of mess do you bring to this place that you need help with? Because here's the thing, if you can't see your mess, you can't give grace to other people when they have mess. But here's the thing, we've got mess because we've got living people. Like, here's the thing, if there is mess, that means there's life. So I say, bring all the messy people to Lifehouse. Bring them all, bring them all. Jesus, Jesus said, the table's open. Secondly, too, though, we've got to do this, understand what to do with the mess. What is, what is fertilizer? Do you know what fertilizer is? Doo-doo. What does, now, what does fertilizer do? It makes things grow. Why do we in the church run from mess when it's the very thing that will make us grow? We, we run from relational mess because, oh, I can't believe they'd say that. I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe. And you, and people run from churches and be like, I can't, can't believe when it's that very conflict, it's that very mess that is gonna be the fertilizer that's gonna make them grow. And that's what I wanna challenge you with is that as a church, when you encounter mess, not if, but when, I'll probably do something to offend you. One of our leaders will probably we're, we're, we're gonna offend you. There's gonna be something you're gonna misunderstand. There's gonna be something you're not. And what we're gonna ask you to do is not run from, from the mess, but run to the mess because typically the, the mess is what you need as fertilizer in your life to grow. And what the church is gonna need to grow. We will have conflict in our church, I guarantee it. But, what I want, but here's the thing, what I wanna ask you to do is don't run from it, run to it. Because honestly, what some of us need is we need the mess. We need the, con the conflict to move forward. Some of y'all in your relationships, marriages, like you're scared of the mess. You're scared of, of, that, of, that, of that conflict. But what I've seen Kristen and I, when we've had our greatest seasons of conflict, right after that is our greatest season of, of intimacy. Why? Because we dealt with what was under the surface. And, and some of y'all are settling for a 
for a decent relationship because you don't want to go below the surface and deal with what's with what is really going on because it's going to be hard and it feels like mess but that's the very thing you need to to deal with to see the kind of growth you want to see happen understand what the mess does but but thirdly understand understand what what the mess does here's the thing it it fertilizer makes things beautiful the mess makes things beautiful and more uh, attractive here's the thing guys as a church we're not going to hide what our mess is we're going to be candid with it when i mean you know but at the, but at the same time it's god that takes messy things and makes them beautiful I love, what, I love what Ephesians 2.10 says. It says this here. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. And what that word masterpiece literally, literally means is we are God's workmanship. Think it's a carpentry term where, 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 where a carpenter takes something that, that has, you know, that doesn't have shape, that doesn't have form and crafts it and makes it into something that he is ridiculously proud of. He took a mess and made something beautiful. Do you know that you are God's masterpiece because of what Jesus did? because of what Jesus did. So look, the church is made up of beautifully messy people that are put together to then share and show the world who God is and what God's like. And over the course of, of this series, we're, we're, we're gonna dive into what that actually looks, looks like and just how God can take all of our beautiful messes and put them together. And we can be and do and share and show the world who God is and what God's like. But the truth is, is this here. Like I said, you are a beautiful mess. Life is a beautiful mess. God works in beautiful messes. The church is a beautiful mess. But we all have a proclivity to see a certain side. We either see many times the beauty or the mess. And this could be in life and in general, but many times even with yourself. And this is what, you know, what closing here I wanna dive into is even with yourself, you tend to see too much of your beauty or too much of your mess. Some... Some of y'all think your mess doesn't stink. And you've got what scripture would call pride. Some of you only see your, your mess. And scripture has what, what, it, what it would call condemnation, where you, you only see your, your mess instead of seeing Christ's beauty over, instead of seeing Christ's beauty over your life. And some of you, you only see your beauty and not Christ's mess that he went through for you. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much and God bless.